I'm still stuck on that Encanto thing. I actually didn't like the movie the first time I saw Encanto. I'm like watching it the second time and it's starting to stand out for me. But um, I don't know, I was listening to the, share, the sharing this morning, a lot of beautiful insight. And I was, of course, thinking about today's readings and, and Jonah and Nineveh. So bear with me if this helps you at all. But I do feel like there's a lot we can learn from poor Jonah. Let's, let's review a little bit his story, right? Because God, God initiated. God took the first step with Jonah. He called Jonah. God calls Jonah with his talents. Jonah has a sense of a need. Somehow maybe God told him, you know, look at Nineveh, the poor, pitiful city of pagans. They're not Jews, they're Gentiles. They're actually enemies of the Jewish people. And Jonah has this feeling he's been given a, a message and talents to have an impact on that people. We talk about that idea that you are a gift. Jonah feels his, his own gifts and himself as a gift meant for everyone, everyone, meant for that people. And that can be a scary feeling, right? Jonah's pretty terrified. Jonah's reaction was not, oh my gosh, I'm super confident in this gift of mine. Let me go have this impact on this Gentile pagan people. Actually, he ran, right? We've been reading it the last few days. He, he ran, he hid. He was tempted to hide his gifts and his, himself the gift and to flee. We can experience that ourselves, right? Our, our own gifts, we want to kind of, we're not sure about them, we're a little insecure perhaps with them, we want to hide them, and hiding even the gifts of ourself under the bushel basket of whatever, my limits, my fear of what I can or can't do. I mean, I can talk to a group of 10, 20, 30, maybe 50 people, but not 2,000. Well, that'd be too much, so let me hide, that's, that's just too much for me, let me hide that gift. Or my vanity or my comfort zone. And Jonah has led through this this process we were reading just yesterday of this real death and resurrection. Brand Petrie makes the point that the idea of Jonah being thrown into the sea, followed by the canticle of Jonah, shows that he actually died. And the fish was this image of Jonah being brought back to life. He's spewed out, given a second chance. And he's, he's going through this, this submitting process, this learning to submit, this learning to surrender. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And so he embraces that first mission. He goes and he preaches to this Gentile nation of, of Babylon. Nineveh is the capital of Babylon. And in that first performance, there's this overwhelming response. Nineveh repents from the top down. If you remember yesterday, right? The, the king of the peoples calls the repentance. So from the king all the way to the cow of Nineveh, everybody repents in ashes. It does seem like at the end of this, like even God, God was even worried about the, the poor cattle of Nineveh. So it's a great success. In this moment we're, we come into today's reading, there's a tension, right? There's a problem. Jonah's, yes, he submitted to the call, but he had set his expectations to his own cultural ideals of that success. If you're a Jew, and you're going to preach anything to your enemies, and you've read the Old Testament scriptures, what's supposed to happen to your enemies? They're going to be destroyed. Lord, you promised the destruction of our enemies. And Jonah's waiting for it. Actually says he went, pitched his little hut to sit and watch to what God was going to do. He was expecting them not to listen to the message, just like his own people struggled to listen to the message of repentance. The Jews had a hard time with repentance. And he was like, all the more so these pitiful Babylons. Let me see it, Lord. Let the lightning fall. Let this fire and brimstone come down. And he's angry. I thought success was going to be what 
you know, we've been telling us that my expectations were built up. My cultural people, the Jewish expectations, like, come on, man. Oh, this is pitiful. It didn't even happen. And maybe, I mean, I put myself in the shoes of half of Nineveh saying, oh, maybe this whole repentance thing was a hoax because nothing happened. So maybe that guy Jonah, I don't know, who knows what happened to the poor Ninevites, but eventually they were destroyed. But in this moment at least, Jonah's struggling with his expectations. I just said that, I imagine there's this that sitting moment, right? Waiting, hoping, disappointed once, disappointed twice, day one, day two, no fireworks, no destruction. It's going to happen. I've been faithful. I want to see it. Check your heart, Jonah. Check your heart. Actually, I was thinking when Greg was giving those points, the idea of when you do something and you have whatever success you have, you're supposed to move on, right? And Jonah can't move on. He's like, wait, I, I, wanted, I wanted to see success. Let me hear the feedback. Let me see what's going to happen. Check your heart. It is hard at first to recognize the call and then to accept it. That's great enough. But then to remain beyond the tension, right? Jonah was a gift and his talent was needed. But it wasn't just for Jonah himself to see that victory. It wasn't just for the Jewish victory of, of, of success and expectations that they may have had. You've got to get past the veggie tales. You've got to get past that veggie tale experience. It was not all about being a veggie tale friend. Andrew, I'm stuck with that. I'm sorry. But it was great. But there was much more than those expectations. And so we go through that purification, through the tension. We go through that process of purification. That's where I get to the gospel, like, Lord, how do you do it? How do you go through everything you're going through? You're teaching, you're preaching, you're miracles, and then you sit with God for hours. The Father and you just, for hours, you just sit there. You know what's coming, by the way, in hindsight. Our Lord knew Talk about tension, right? The crucifixion was coming. How did he keep going towards utter failure in human understanding, human expectations? Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to stay with you, to remain in communion with you, with the God who called me and with his ongoing direction with his timing and his measures of success, which are not always our measures of success. We could leave off with that if we wanted to, but I, was, I know there's probably more coming, just that idea of, of prayer. Moments of, of real devotion. We are talking about music and how it, 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 is, it facilitates that ongoing encounter with the heart of God. My heart to the heart of God. I love it in the preface. We talked about the preface today. And we, we come with music in our hearts. We come before the Lord. The Lord be with you, with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Prayer. Teach us to pray. Teach us to keep our hearts, Lord. Lift it up to you. We have these profound moments in the liturgy and insight. In the liturgy, these moments of conversion, perhaps through the liturgy, the highest point of prayer. But Lord, keep us, teach us to remain in communion with you throughout the day. That devotion, that ongoing devotion, I was actually reading today in the Liturgy of the Hours, 
train yourself for devotion. That word is translated lots of different ways because it has lots of different meanings. Spirituality or prayer or devotions, practices, for while physical training of the body is of limited value, devotional training, training of the soul, of the spirit, these devotions that we have, they are valuable in every respect. It carries a promise of life, both here and now, and for a future fullness of glory. And I'll leave off with this, which maybe is a sort of a cliffhanger. I don't know what else is coming up today, but just, just the need for us to pray without ceasing, to have this ongoing devotion in our hearts to remain with the one who called us in order to stay on his wavelength, not on our own or someone else's wavelength. The spiritual life is not limited solely to our moments of light, those, those participation moments in the liturgy, but we need to foster ongoing communion. The Christian must pray without ceasing. And these devotional practices that we can have, the rosary, liturgy, the hours, journaling, it's, and, and different things we can do, they play a crucial role in helping us to foster this ceaseless prayer, permeating every hour of the day with our hearts being raised up to God. They extend the liturgical high points throughout the life of the church. Stay with us, Lord. Help us to stay with you. Teach us to pray so that we never allow that calling that we receive to die off and we're hooked on the wrong train, we're hooked on the wrong wavelength, we're carried away by our cultural expectations. But rather, Lord, help us to stay with you. Help us to find the ways that you're calling us, each one of us individually, to stay with you. Let the music ministry or the devotions we have stimulate our hearts, purify our desires and our expectations, and keep us always disposed to that union with you. May our Lord intercede for us, the one who called us. May he continue to sustain that calling that he began in us and bring it to its full completion according to his will. And may our talents and our gifts and our time, may our prayer continue to keep us united with him. May it keep us purified from things that are misleading us or misdirecting us. May all that we do be intended to glorify him and bring his salvation, his mercy and love that we ourselves have first experienced to those to whom he sends us as ministers in the church. Amen. Amen. St. Cecilia, pray for us.